0: Good <laughs>
1: okay, are we ready? I know not everybody's quite seated. Still a few things going on. So, okay, let's have a word of prayer and let's look into our Bible study. Father, we thankful for the fellowship of saints, for the time to sit around the table and enjoy one another's company. And enjoy the food. It's certainly a kind of fellowship that we enjoy sharing. We also enjoy the fellowship that we share as we are those that have a common salvation. And as we consider some of that salvation tonight, both future aspects of it as well as uh, how it began, we ask that you might uh, give us clarity of thinking. And uh, as we uh, sometimes need to adjust the way we think about things if that's necessary. Help us to be able to do that in keeping with your word. And we would thank you for it. Amen. We are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, chapter (laughs) 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Last week we did (coughs) a very fast kind of overview of a number of events Excuse me. I drank hot coffee and it's catching me now. There's Oh no, there's no hot coffee left unless you want just the dregs of the bottom of the pot. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so last week we looked at like kind of a quick overview of the events uh, in the future, from where we are now into things that, that go out into the future. And the reason we, we did that overview was because the, what Paul describes here at the last part of chapter two, uh, chapter 1 in 2 Thessalonians, there's a lot of things that are compressed, okay? Uh, and uh, if we read it and we think that this is just the full outline of these events, we're going to have a problem because we've got other texts that tell us, well, there's other things that intervene and it doesn't happen exactly and compressed in this order. And one of those things as we were looking at last week, if you go to, uh, let's go to verse seven, it says, for indeed, verse six, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse six, not verse seven, verse six, 2 Thessalonians 1, six says, since indeed it is a righteous thing with God to repay to those who are troubling you, trouble, trouble. so we have this idea, this, this adverse pressure, uh, and that, that pressure can be present, but that pressure ultimately is looking at a time in the future, which we haven't yet looked at, and I do want to look at a, a verse on this, because this word tribulation or trouble or adversity, however our Bibles translate it, um, it, it's most of the time when this word occurs in the New Testament, it talks about things we experience in our Christian life just going through hardship, uh, the way different people treat us, different different things we have to experience in life. But there is also a time in the future, popular Christianity, and we're kind of lumped in there, they uh, call this time the, the tribulation. We looked at that last week. Seven years that finish off the 70 sets of seven that God predicted through Daniel. Those if we and I did it again today. I did the math on it again today, just because I hadn't done it for a while, and I, I ran it through you last week, and I'm not going to do it tonight for you here. But but the fact that from the time that decree was made over in Nehemiah, and we know the date on that because the date is even recorded in secular history from the time that was down to the year that Christ was crucified, it's exactly what he said that that time would pass till the Messiah was cut off. And then it's on hiatus. We're on hiatus now. And there's seven years let, left to finish that up. And that time is going to be then trouble that God pours out. And if you look in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24 for a moment. <clears throat> and this is not about us. I, I want us all to be clear without going into the details on why this isn't for this is what we're looking at it on Sunday mornings how to read your Bible. Well, we could just say, Well, this isn't about us, and that's but there's a reason for that. And that's one of the things we're trying to understand. We're talking about how to read our Bible is well, how do you know what is for you and what isn't for you? Uh, and uh, there's reasons behind the reason we the reason I say this. I just want you to know I'm just not making a arbitrary this isn't about us. But he says in verse 20, Matthew 24, verse 20, it says, But pray that your flight should not be in the winter or on the sabbath for then there will be great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world even until now nor ever will happen simple way of putting that if you if you say that something never nothing's ever been like it before and nothing's ever going to be like it afterwards what could you say it is It is an absolutely unique time. It is unprecedented, and it will remain unprecedented. That same statement is repeated in Daniel. That same statement is repeated in Jeremiah. Jesus says it also over in the book of Mark, and it's repeated in the book of Revelation. Four times we're told that this period of time is going to be unprecedented. It is going to be the worst time that has ever existed upon the face of the earth. So you talk about people that have lived through horrible, horrible wars and the devastation of those wars. And as bad as that was, it is still incomparable to what's going to happen out there in the future. Now we're not going to go through all that. We did that last week in a real, really fast, uh, detailed picture of it. But it's one of these things that God tells us this, and Jesus is telling his disciples about this at that time. And one of the reasons it's important, in fact, notice, listen, verse 22. I just I, I caught this verse. I almost missed this here. It says, if those days were not cut short, there'd be no flesh saved. In other words, no one would survive. That's how severe that time's going to be. No one would survive that time if God didn't cut those days short. That's how bad it's going to be. Now, the reason it's important for us to understand this, because that is what he's referring to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6 same word for trouble or tribulation or adversity however your bible may translate that word it's the same idea over there he's saying it's great and it's going to be unprecedented on the face of the earth and he says those people that are troubling you now stop and think about that the trouble that they might put christians through How would that compare to those people going through an unprecedented time in the history of the world? Mm, It's nothing. I mean if that time is unprecedented, how do you compare it how compare what we go through? Or and I say what we go through because none of us have I don't think any of us know what it's really like to suffer like some Christians have suffered. Because of their because of their faith, yeah. Not suffering because of stupidity. Yeah, some of us suffer because of stupidity, or, or clumsiness, or other things like that. But, or sometimes just because you live in a world and there are people that are nasty and mean, and they may not do it because of your faith; they just do it. It's cause trouble. Physical
2: suffering,
1: yeah. yes. lots of kinds of suffering. Right, but the suffering that he's referring to here, that the Thessalonians were going to, was a suffering for their faith. And so he goes on, he says, and, in, and when they are getting that, he says, and there is for you and I, those who are being troubled right now, there is relief. There is relief with us. And then he goes, part of that relief, he extends it out, part of that relief is especially in the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's not talking about the book of revelation. The word revelation is a word in the Greek that means to unveil. So it's when Christ is unveiled to the world. Right now, Peter tells us he's veiled. The world does not see him. In fact, Peter says we don't even see him right now, right now. But he says we love him. We love him even though we can't see him. And so this is a time in the future when he's going to be unveiled from heaven with his angels of power. This is the second coming now. This is is not when he's coming for us. We talked about that last week without going over all the other details. He comes for us seven years before his second coming. That's ultimately when we, that's when we first get relief. But the significance he's pointing out is, we get that relief when he's coming back too. When he's coming back to to deal with these people, you and I are still getting relief. That's the significance of this. When those people are going through that trouble. I had a question, I have to remember, because I write questions down to ask you, and I don't always think to ask them. Um, now I have to try to find my question that I had written down. It has to do with the fact, oh, there it is. So we suffer tribulation. And our tribulation, our hardship, whatever we want to, whatever, however we want to describe that, um, what does that, uh, how is that affected by our Lord's coming for us? How is our adversity right now, how is it affected by our Lord's coming for us? It puts it in It puts it in perspective. We're not
2: stuck here.
1: We have hope. 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 We have hope. We have hope. Let's go over to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We've visited this verse several times, but it's a really good verse to come back to. Verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy when they're compared with the glory that will be revealed in or because of us. That situation of glory is going to be so incredible, so different than anything we've ever experienced that no matter what degree of suffering you're going through right now, it'll be in the past. In fact, um, Jim actually did a study, well, I don't know, three or four years back. He, uh, Well, he was going through a number of different things, but what he hit was a, a couple of statements that are made in Isaiah. And they were good correctives for me because it says, the former things will not come to mind. Now, I just figured we're just not going to remember anything in the past. But Jim pointed out that's not what those verses say. And it's not those verses aren't directly about us, but I think the principle laid down in them, I would trust that that principle is true of us. The former things he demonstrated in the context over there in Isaiah, and you can ask him for those verses. I could find them too over there too, but it might take me a while. We're not going to do it now. Um, those statements about not remembering the former things or the former things I come right they're the former things of suffering and judgment and the hardships and things like that that have been suffered. Those things aren't going to come to mind. So you're not going to be out there in eternity and going, ah, oh, do you remember? Do you remember that time we went to Florida Peg?" And it was the humidity was horrible, and I did not believe you that it was going to be that bad. (laughs) I was just telling Wilma about that tonight, going down there. I didn't believe my wife that humidity could be any worse than it was growing up in Iowa. Oh yeah, it was Florida was much worse. But but joking, uh, we're not going to remember that out there in eternity. We're not going to remember that eternity. It's it can't be compared.
3: (laughs) <laughs>
1: oh, you've just made that such a sweet offer now. <laughs> Man, now I really want to go. Whew. That's not it.
3: It's <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so back in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1. It's talking about Christ coming back with his angels of power, and then in verse 8, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, in a flame of fire to give punishment or vengeance... To those, now there's two things he's going to say. To those not knowing God, those not obeying the good news concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. So he is going to pay back vengeance on those people. Some of your Bibles just have the word punishment, but it's a stronger form. It's a form of the word that actually is used of something that comes out of righteousness and the had the idea of vengeance. There's two things he says about these people. That are going to get this. Number one, they don't know God. Now we have at least at least two very good words for knowledge in the New Testament. We have the word oida, and we have the word gnosko, and then a couple of forms of gnosko. In Greek, this is in Greek. Gnosko has the idea of experiential knowledge. You've gone through it. You you know how to do it. You've experienced this thing, uh, and you use gnosko. I remember taking German in, in uh, college, uh, and uh, uh, you have vice and you have kennen and kennen is what you use of people you know so kennen is like yeah i know i'm, co- I'm acquainted with that person vice is what you'd use of a person if you said yeah i know that person you use vice that would be in, in in german that would be like saying yeah i've seen him on tv i've seen him in a magazine but i don't know the person kennen is like yeah i know them yeah their their laugh oh, their laugh is infectious something like that well the same thing with with Ginosko and Oida in greek gnostos is talking about um, knowledge that it ha- involves experience in some sense. And then you have oida, which is knowledge by sight. So it's kind of, we call it objective knowledge. It's knowledge you get by learning. The word that he uses here is the word oida. He, de- he doesn't even use gnosko. He can't use gnosko. Unsaved people have no experience with God. But he says, they don't even know God by sight. Give me an example of a way that the Bible tells us that the unsaved world is confronted with by God's existence every day of their life. It's creation. creation. Yeah. Josh referred to that. Not you, Josh. The other Josh uh, referred to that on Sunday, uh, over in uh, uh, I think it's Psalm eighteen. He says, "Day unto day and night unto night, the heavens shout <laughs> that there's a God." Essentially, and they're confronted with that. And Romans chapter one says that this creation out here tells us not only that there's a not only that it took a lot of power, but there to be a creator behind it because it's intelligently designed, intelligently formed. And they're confronted with this. But keeping your finger here for a moment, flip over to 2 Peter. I didn't put this in my notes, this just occurs to me, but this is a a good statement to remember here. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter three. When you get there, ooh, I I have never noticed this before. My uh, the this is the New Revised Standard Version in my margin, which I'm not always really fond of, but it's what comes in the margin of this particular uh, Greek-English text. And they say they deliberately ignore this fact. This is verse 5. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 3, 5. They deliberately ignore this fact. The Greek states they desire or they want it to escape their attention, essentially, that God has intervened in history. They don't want to recognize that God has actually been engaged in history. They don't want to recognize that God's creator, and they don't want to recognize the fact that God actually has entered into history and has judged and dealt with mankind in the past. So keep that in mind. If you flip back over there, when he's talking about these people that don't know God, it's not that they haven't had the option. It's as Peter's telling us, they don't want to know it. They want to find every reason they can to argue for the fact, or or they don't even want to argue for the fact God doesn't exist. They don't even want to think about it. They just don't even bring it up. In fact, it's really interesting if you go over to Romans 1 where you have all that. The last, uh, and Josh was hitting these on Sunday too, those God gave them over, God gave them over, God gave them over. And you have those three areas that God gave them over in. And the last thing that he gives them over in, it's because they reach a point where they say, it's not even acceptable to have God in your thinking. I think we can kind of relate to that. We're living in a world where more and more we're told, uh, number one, you can't talk about God in the public square anymore. And number two, they're doing everything in their power to say, and it's not you shouldn't even be thinking about God. And those people that think about God, we don't want you at the table because you might be, even though you never say it, you're bringing your thinking about God. to We don't even want that. Okay. So this is the way the world operates. They've reached a place, not just now, that happened in the past. When he's writing about Romans, he's talking about things that are happening back around the time of Abraham. So we're looking 4,000 years ago that even back then, he says, mankind even then was saying it's not acceptable to have God in your thinking. And so he says, first of all, they don't know God. Second thing is, and they do not obey, they do not obey the good news concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to, want to sit on this. I don't know if we'll sit on this the rest of the evening, but we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, yes so the
2: English makes it look like it's two different groups of people.
1: And and in the Greek, they are they are they are s- stretched out and separated in the Greek in such a way that both of them have a definite art- article in front of both of the words no and the words obey.
2: Okay. Oh,
1: I I could have got I that. I'm going
2: request that you go back like 90 seconds start
1: again <laughs> i can try i can try okay so god is going to he's going to be giving punishment to those not knowing god and he, and those not obeying now in peg asked the question it looks like these are two separate groups of people uh and in the greek there's a definite article in front of both of them, so both of them in Greek are like saying the ones not knowing God and the ones not obeying the gospel, okay? And then there's an and in between them. And normally that kind of distinguishes, that's a way of distinguishing between these two groups. Um, but I think that they share something in common. And I'm gonna say that because I think that there's, the reason he has them separated because are there people out there that acknowledge that there's a God? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that acknowledge God. There's people that might attend church here, that might be here at church, and they might be here every week, and they might say things about God, you know. But they don't believe in God. We're gonna, That's the next thing we're going to tackle. So there are people that acknowledge God. They go to churches all over the place, and they acknowledge, uh, and in one sense or another, even the God of the Bible. They're not like people maybe were Josh and Fago that might talk about a God, but they won't believe, they won't talk about the God of the Bible, okay? These are people that actually maybe talk about the God of the Bible. Um, So they might have some, so you might have people that come to the Bible and they at least have an objective knowledge about God. But now you can have people that can have an objective knowledge about God, but they don't obey the gospel or the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's sit on this for a little while and let's, let's, Let's talk about a couple of these different things related to that. First of all, first thing we want to know, what is the good news concerning our Lord Jesus Christ? What is the gospel? And where would we demonstrate it? (laughs) That's two two things I think that are important. Not only can we say what it is, but we need to be able to demonstrate from Scripture that the Bible says this is the gospel.
2: First Corinthians
4: 15.
1: Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. Always good to review this. Now, Paul doesn't state this exactly in the exact, precise, every last detail or word that he uses here. But he states this really in Acts 13. You can see him run through this. You can see Peter do it in, in uh, Acts 10. Acts 13. But the reason he, reason, he doesn't have to exp, reason he doesn't have to expand on this here is because he's writing to what kind of people when he writes? He's writing to believers so they know what the gospel is. So he's just kind of doing a drive-by review with them. And he says in verse 1, For we make known to you, brothers, the good news or the gospel, which we evangelize to you. We have both the noun and the verb there, the word good news and preach or proclaim. Same word, just one's a noun, one's a verb to you. "...which you also received, in which you stand, through which you were saved." He's tying all these things about them. "...the word that I evangelized to you, if you hold it fast, unless you believed without a purpose." We have three words for vanity in the New Testament. This particular word, vanity, means without a goal, without a purpose. You can have something without a purpose, you can have something without content, and you can have something without result. This one is without a purpose." And I, I'm picking so on. An ca-
2: example would
4: be if you believed in the death, burial, and resurrection, but not for you, only as a historical faith, that would be believing in
1: vain. Yes. Or even if you add to it. And, uh, and uh, Peggy's brother in law, who was raised Catholic, he shared this with me many years ago that uh, he, was, he went home and he t- was trying to share the gospel with his mom. He got saved when he went off to college. And so he got saved at the University of Iowa. And uh, he goes home and he wants to share with his mom. uh, And uh, he asks his mom, what's the gospel? And his mom says, well, Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and rose again. It's like, oh, she knows the gospel. And then he says, so what do you have to do to be saved? Because he wants her to say, believe And She goes, well, you need to take all the sacraments. You need to experience all the sacraments and you need to be a good person. In other words, salvation was not connected with believing the gospel. It was connected with doing the sacraments and, and being a good person. So, and you don't have to be Catholic to be in that situation. You could be sitting here in this church, and you could recite that gospel. You could be sitting here in this church, and you could recite that gospel, uh, but, it's, but your salvation is based on maybe you're being baptized or being a good person or at least just being better than the next guy so that would be in vain so now what is the gospel verse three for I handed down to you among the first things that what I received that Christ died in place of our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures Now, does Paul actually, is that actually what Paul announced? Let's go to Acts 13.
2: And he appeared.
1: Oh, and then he appeared, yes. And he appeared then, uh, appeared uh, to to the disciples. Let's go to Acts 13. Acts 13. And... Uh, if you remember in December, and uh, we we did a study on Sunday mornings on why do we have the four gospels, and Mark tells you that his gospel is the beginning of the gospel. It's a beginning because he had listened to Peter, and Mark had also listened to Paul, because he'd been Paul's traveling companion for a short while before he ran out on Paul. Um, and he'd heard these guys that they prefaced the gospel with a little background on who this Jesus was. And if you read this Acts 13, you can see that Paul gives some history and then comes up to bring, tell us about who this uh, Jesus was. And uh, I, I'm just going to get down to this. It's just, I'm going to try to make this a little shorter. Verse 28, it says, And without, without finding a reason for death, they still asked Pilate that he should be killed or taken away. And when all these things were finished that were written about him, they took him down from the tree and they put him in a tomb. So we've got the first two things that Paul says are part of the gospel that he died and that he was put in a tomb. And then he goes on, but God raised him up from the dead, and he was seen over the course of many days. So as Paul or Paul, as Peggy pointed out, that that he was seen by many. Uh, those that came up with him from Galilee. Now, that's the content of the gospel. That's what Christ did. But in order to have faith, you also have to have a A promise. promise. And the promise that he's going to state uh, in this context, if you go to verse 38, 38 is when he gets the promise, therefore, let it be known to you, men and brothers, that through this one, that is through this Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and that you can be justified or excuse me and that from all the things from which you could not be justified by from the by the law of Moses you are able to be and so in other words you're able to be forgiven from all those things you couldn't be justified by by keeping the law so the promise is your sins are forgiven why because as Paul said Christ died for those sins if you want to do that on your own, because we're not going to do it now, you can go to chapter 10 of Acts. You read Peter does the same thing. And he goes over the same gospel, and he says the same thing. You believe in him, there's forgiveness of sins. Okay. So there's that's the gospel. No more, no less. Christ died on the cross for his sins. He was buried and he rose again. You believe that alone, that, he says, is salvation. You add to it, like... The example that I gave, like Leslie was saying, or other people, uh you might think uh, that's for other people, or you might add to it, you do those things, that's not salvation. You're changing you're changing the, nes- the the nature of the gospel. Ronnie.
2: So when it says they
0: do not obey the good news concerning Jesus Christ, that means they don't believe.
1: Yes. They're refusing so when you believe, you're obeying. Yes, you just jumped the gun on me, but that's just fine. You're anticipating where this is going. That's good. That's good. I'm fine. No, that's good. That's good. 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 Now, that does bring us then to to the second question, which we really have already answered. And that is, how do you respond to the gospel? You believe it. That's it, period. You believe it. Now I asked Lewis if it was okay if I would use his son as an example here, and the reason I'm doing this is because this I really really liked this, this example. This was fun. Uh, a couple of years back ago, Floyd and I were uh, doing the games for VBS down at the park, and they always they wanted us to take like five minutes at the end of games every day and review, do a quick review or something to tie it in with the main study for the day there at VBS. And so we're down there at the park, and so we get the kids in there. And all these kids are sitting on the picnic tables inside there. And I asked, and, and it, that day it happened to be the gospel day. So I just kind of slip in the gospel in every day. But that day, we're really emphasizing it. And uh, and I kind of, what, what's the gospel? And the kids, we're getting this. Daniel is chiefly the one that's kind of telling, talking for everybody else. But some other kids like, yeah, yeah. And then I said, now, what do you have to do to be forgiven? What do you have to do to be saved to, to actually for God to forgive you? And and Daniel says, you have to believe. And then some kid up behind him. I see still some kid wearing glasses is all I can remember. Some kid go behind him. He and a little girl sitting behind him. Well, you got to be a good person too. And I still remember Daniel's going, no, no. All you have to do is believe. That's all you can do. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. Wow. He was adamant about that. Adamant. Yeah. All you can do is believe. And, and it's I was,
2: a good thing he knows that
1: because <laughs> <laughs> you still t- you still need to be a good person, but not to be saved. Yeah, maybe to be saved from mom and dad's wrath. But <laughs> yeah, but but I just that really st- stuck in my mind. Um, just that 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 that's all there is when you go through the Bible and you go through the New Testament again and again. It's believe and it's believe and it's believe. And since we're in Acts, maybe you're still there. Turn to Acts 16. Probably one of the classic verses. <laughs> 16, Acts 16, and this is verse 30, and I'm not going to go through, this is an interesting study in and of itself about what's going on in this, but it says, this is the jailer, Paul and Silas have been locked up all night long, and then the earthquake, and nobody's left, and the jailer brings them out, verse 30, and he said to them, sirs or lords, what is necessary for me to do or to do that I might be saved. What do I need to do? And they said, believe upon the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And your house, in the house, by the way, this is an ellipsis, your house also needs to believe and they will be saved. He's not saying, you'll believe and your house will be saved. No, they have to believe also.
3: a question with this one. Let
1: down everything else. And so let's, uh, <laughs> that's a very good question. So, verse 32 and he spoke to them the word about the Lord with all those who were in his house. So, now he has to explain to them who is this? Because you think that jailer in Philippi, a Gentile guy, think he has any clue who Jesus is? Probably never even heard the name. Okay. So, yes, they have to explain to him. And, and I, 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 I'm going to
4: explain Lord, Jesus, in Christ
1: yeah or some of your Bibles just have Lord Jesus Christ isn't included in some Greek texts here but but yeah, yeah they have to explain all of that what's involved and who he is and and I, I'm going to digress for just a second this man apparently because he uses the our Bibles translated sirs, what must what must I do to be saved but it's the form of the word Lord it's the word Lord. It's just in the plural, but there's not a different article. I really think the earthquake and everything that happened and the fact these people haven't left and Paul and Silas are speaking for everybody and they came out, this jailer's thinking, you guys are a pair of gods. And that's not the first time that happened in the book of Acts. When Paul and Barnabas arrived in, back in Acts 14, I think, I can't remember what city they were in, if it was Pisidia or, anyway, you can go over and look at it over there. It says they came out because they thought that they were gods. They thought Barnabas was Zeus, the head god, and Paul was Hermes, the the communicator god, because Paul was doing most of the talking, and they wanted to sacrifice to them, and Paul and Barnabas had to control them and say no, and then they had to tell them, we're men just like you. And so it wasn't uncommon for Greeks and Romans to think that the gods occasionally came down in the form of people and did certain spectacular acts. And so he says... So he's coming to him. It's like saying, if we put it in modern English, we'd say, gods, what must I do to be saved? Because he's looking, I need to be saved. And Paul says, you need to believe in the God, Jesus, and you'll be saved. And then he has to explain that to him now, which is what verse 32 says. But notice he doesn't say, you need to repent. You need to baptize. You need to pick up start doing good works. He just says, you need to believe. Believe. Turn to Romans. And they are baptized. Yes. Because verse yeah.
2: thirty-four, he brought him his house and set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had believed with his entire house. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. Having believed there in verse thirty-four, and it's a perfect tense, meaning they'd come to believe with the fact that they remained those that were believing. Uh, and just interesting enough, they had believed in the God. That's at the end of verse thirty-four. They had they had believed in the God because they were really believing in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bam. And uh, Robin said over there, and they did get baptized immediately, which we don't normally do that. I don't. I don't even encourage it anymore because we have 20 centuries of baggage attached, attached to baptism that I don't want anybody to in any way mistake water baptism as causing their salvation. And maybe I shouldn't be so afraid of that, but I am, so... I'm a Baptist that doesn't baptize very often. <laughs> Sounds like the island
3: of Misfits. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe I'm a little less Baptist. Maybe that's better. <laughs> a, they pardon they, me? They all found <laughs> yeah. Let's go to Romans 5 or 4-5. This is another favorite. And this verse is written for us, but I use this verse when I share the gospel with people all the time. It says in verse, let's go to verse four. It says to the one that is working, the reward it's not counted according to grace but according to a debt. So if I do a job for you, and you give me a paycheck, you don't look at me and say, "Hey, here's a here's a paycheck for uh, here's a kindness for you, here's a grace." I look, I earned that. I earned every penny of that. Now I've had a time or two. I worked for somebody. I did some painting a couple of years ago, and when he paid me. He hands me the check and he goes, You notice there's a couple of, hundred, I added two, $200 more or something like that. And I was like, He goes, Take it so you can take your wife out for supper. I was like, Wow, 200 bucks? What kind of, I'm, we're going to have to eat out a lot. Anyway. A
2: nice dinner dinner.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But but again, yeah, you all I understand it. So. I <laughs> What? I know, yeah. We were, I think I took you out once on that. Anyway, okay, back to the main point. I'm sorry. I shouldn't I shouldn't share stories because then you get into trouble. But, but the point that he's making is, is if you work for it, it's not a grace, it's a debt. But, verse 5, but to the one not working but believing. This is really important because there's a segment of Christendom, they call themselves Calvinists, and they say believing is a work. But Paul says here, believing is not a work. To the one not working but believing. How, what better way can you say believing is not a work? So to the one not working but believing on the one who justifies or declares righteous good people, what does it say? Ungodly Ungodly people, which I don't say this to be offensive, but I mean, we're already using the word ungodly, but that word is a word meaning to dishonor God. It's essentially like giving God the finger. That's really what the background of that kind of a terminology is in our modern culture. Okay. He says, so he declares righteous the ungodly, which is, you know, when you come to salvation, you recognize that that's who you are. You may not recognize it to the same degree the next guy does, but you recognize that you're not really worthy of being saved.
2: That's why Jesus always said
4: he came for the sick. Yeah. You had to believe that you were lacking.
1: Yeah, that you actually needed this. Yeah. It says, his faith is counted to him for righteousness. His faith. Faith is just the noun form of the word believe. It's pistis. Pistuo is the verb. Believe. Okay. It's same, we're just talking about the same terminology in there. Beautiful verse on this. So what's the condition of salvation? Believing. Believe now, Ronnie already fired the gun here, but we're going to take it anyway. No, it's fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Ronnie's, Ronnie was anticipating something very important. So let's go to Romans 10. I'm just giving you a hard time, Ronnie. That's fine. (laughs) Romans 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 in verse 15. It says, but how shall they preach if they are not sent as it stands written... How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So in other words, he says right here back to back, obeying the good news is believing. Well, if all you can do is believe if all he asks you to do is believe then anything else would be disobedient and there was a gentleman many years ago our good friend dan dalkey we've been here part of this church for years i i in fact when we came out here to candidate in march of, of uh of uh, 91 he Dan took me out one day out to this guy's place, and we sat at his kitchen table, and we drank coffee together for a couple of hours. And I I listened to Dan. Dan was using me kind of as a little bit of a foil to share the gospel with his friend, but Dan had shared the gospel with his friend many times. And I knew, Dan knew what the gospel was. I mean, I checked that before we ever even considered coming out into the church. I wasn't going to come out here if we had a bunch of people that thought salvation was by some other means. We weren't even going to waste our time uh, going down that path. Um, but that, may, but remember Dan comes into Sunday night church then a couple of years later after we were, had been here a while and he comes in and Dan was just, uh, he was just, looked like somebody just kicked him in the stomach. And I said, Dan, what's the matter? And he goes, this friend of his called that Sunday afternoon. He says, Dan, I finally did what you've been telling me to do for the, all these years. He says, you believe the gospel? He goes, No. I got baptized <laughs> and joined a particular large church around the area. Oh, joined the Mormon oh. church joined the Mormon, the Mormon group. Um, and Dan says, I've never told you to get baptized. You always telling me to get baptized. No, I told you all you had to do is believe. See? So sometimes you can tell a person the gospel, and even though you make it plain, and I've had that happen. I've shared the gospel that you share the gospel, and they say, Are you telling me I need to be a better person? You do not understand English? <laughs> Are you from another? I mean, this is what you wonder. But the scriptures do tell us that Peter, or that Satan, pardon me, that Satan blinds their minds, and he blinds, he messes up the thinking, it tells us in 2 Corinthians, so that what goes in comes out, believe. Oh, do good works. And see, and it, it's confused. Our
2: culture helps a lot with
1: that. <laughs> it does. And 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 I would even say this, and I, let me get political here for a little bit. No, but no, seriously, this is this is good though. This is good for us. This is, to me, this is the biggest error that evangelical Christians have made over the last years, and it's gotten really bad over the last year with the the election that went on, and a lot of evangelicals, of course, citing siding with with our outgoing president. And lots of those Christians have come to equate morality and certain set of values with the way everybody should live around us. And I would like to challenge them to take the Bible and show me anywhere where you as a Christian are ever encouraged to put force Christian values on an unsaved world. Paul never did that. Peter never did that. The only thing they gave them was the gospel. Because otherwise, it's just cleaning pigs up for the slaughterhouse, which I know that sounds like horrible terminology, way to do it. But that's, I, it, wow. to me, it's, it's just not what you and I, as Christians, are called to do, and it's a mistake. Well, it's
3: not even
1: possible. It, yeah, You're it's sure. well, you know, what? but that's not true, because for two hundred for some of the, some of the history, <laughs> Christianity has had an influence, and in its effect, affected the morality. So I grew up in. My wife and I grew up in fairly moral communities and some of us are old enough to remember what it was like generally.
2: God's country,
3: amen?
1: No. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember what it was like to live in a fairly moral society and that's disappearing. And we miss that moral society because the more immoral that society that becomes, the more you and I stick out like oddballs and we don't like that. And the more we take flack. So we try to... Push it back that way. But that's not what we're supposed to do. Anyway, stick to the gospel. That's the only thing these people need. <laughs> they don't need this thing or that thing or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Okay. So, did somebody say question or somebody say question? Bless, <laughs> bless you. Bless you. Okay. Bad hearing. Back to Second Thessalonians. Back to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Then in verse eight, you've got two groups here, those that don't know God. Obviously, if they don't know God, they don't believe him either. They also don't believe the gospel. But you have some that they might know something about God, because maybe they maybe they maybe they grew up in a church that went through a catechism and they can tell you all kinds of of crazy things.
2: So there's a group that doesn't even have a knowledge of God. There's a group that might have a knowledge, but they don't have a personal, personal relationship.
1: relationship. Right, yeah. And a good example is like the people down there where Josh and Fay are. Those are people that really probably are totally clueless when it comes to the God of the Bible, outside of creation. But even then, that the religion and culture there has attributed all that to all these individual, local, animistic gods. Well, it's Romans. Yeah. And so that's where they are. Whereas you and I are in a culture where, I mean, I grew up with all these kids, I've told you. I mean, I used to sit around Mr. Thompson in the business class. We had, if we got all of our stuff done, he'd let us go and sit in the back room of the business room and my friends and I'd sit back there. And yeah, we act about all kinds of stupid stuff, but occasionally we talk religion. And I had friends that knew religious facts because they were, they went through catechism. In the Catholic Church and in the Lutheran Church and the Methodists went through confirmation. Well, I guess the, the Lutherans did that too, I guess, mm-hmm. however it went, you know. And so he had these kids that had this knowledge about God that you could talk about these things. But they would always, it would come down to the fact that there were three, three boys in my class, myself, Todd, and Dan, Danny, The only ones that, to my knowledge, were actually believers. I had other friends you'd share the gospel with them, and they—I wouldn't say most of the time that they'd ever really deny it. They just that that wasn't enough. They always add to it. You got to be good. You got to be baptized. You got to fill in all the other blanks in there. And so you had people that had a had a knowledge, but but they don't obey.
3: Question, and, and maybe this this is not answerable, but. At what point, because First Corinthians 15 does talk about if you believe in vain, and it's you know, worthless, right? And we're identifying adding things is believing in vain. Um, at what point is it clear to say this person, maybe they understand the gospel, but they've added this or they've added that, they're not a believer? Right? Because we, we, we jump to things like, oh, if they add baptism, well, can you be a believer and still think that you have to get baptized? Or do you want to? Yeah,
1: if you think you have to get baptized, now you've just added a work. You've just changed so Romans four five. Yeah, you're because this would be this would be my brother in law's mom. That's like, uh, yeah, that's the gospel. But yeah, you have to have the sacraments. Baptism, of course, is one of those. You know, and some of the churches they have less sacraments. See? And
3: so. I guess what I'm kind of wondering more is where are those, probably there's not hard fast lines, maybe there is, uh, of those things where it's like, because you don't have to believe in seven-day creation or 6,000-year creation, whatever you want uh, for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain aspects of, within the Bible you don't really need to be accurate on to be saved. So They don't, which, do it,
2: they don't say anything about your sin. It's...
4: Okay. Only the Spirit does the saving, and Mm -hmm. you and I can't tell if someone's saved. Mm -hmm. I'm a good example. I was raised in a a Lutheran church. Mm -hmm. I did catechism, all that stuff. I knew about Jesus. I knew the facts of the gospel, but it was historical to me. Mm -hmm. It was never he died for your sins. It was Jesus died for sins. He is buried and rose again. It wasn't until I was 13 years old that I... Realized that I was a sinner and that I needed to believe, even though I'd been told that many times by my mother. Yeah, no. I'm, and when I went through um, confirmation, um, she said, "Now, just because you're getting up there and being confirmed, does not mean that you're a believer. Um, you don't get that by anything you do." So, see, that was taught to me, but it what?
3: But, and so then you would look at that and identify that as well. That. Was not salvation because no, but
4: I I mean, I didn't get it. That was after I went through catechism or uh, confirmation after I was saved, Mm -hmm. but still, she you know, I mean, it's like any parent, you don't always know just exactly where your child is, they could be just adopting the movements Mm -hmm. or the, the vernacular or the doing what they think that you ought to do when you are. A Christian, you know. And so you, um, you, well, you know, like in my Sunday school class, for example, Aram um, Garnick, that the way that he puts together, the Spirit puts together the doctrines, you just have no doubt. But there's other kids that you wonder is this just, just a system just like that? But when you start to see the Spirit put these things together, you can be pretty confident. Mm -hmm. But you don't know a person's things. Christians do things out of ignorance. Yeah, Yeah, no. Because they haven't been taught or they have this. Yeah, and I get that.
3: Ultimately, we can't be the judge. But Jesus sees the the true faith. But there is, in some sense, an importance of knowing or being able to not know, but... To identify is this person a believer or not? First uh, Corinthians six talks about if a believer or a brother is immoral, don't associate. It. But if they're not a believer, it doesn't really matter if they're being immoral. Mm-hmm. Kind of along the lines of what Tim's talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're going to baptize, going yeah, If you're going to baptize someone, if someone's like, "I want to be baptized," you probably really want to identify where why they
4: they're getting going. baptized. Yeah.
3: And so then within that. What are some of the things that you are looking at? Because, like for us, we know that down the road, at some point in time, we're going to present the gospel, and now there are going to be people who will say, "Yes, I believe," and maybe they do, and maybe they don't. So, how do you discern within that? And so again, yeah, and
1: I would say if they if they say they believe but they don't, a lot of times that's something you have to leave to God. I just think you need to just leave that to God. Because I've got people, I've, I've looked at their lives, and they'll tell you the gospel. They say they believe it and nothing else. And I'm like, I'm glad God's the one that decides that and not me, because I tell you, their their life doesn't demonstrate it. But, you know, there's probably people that have looked at my life at some points and go, that guy's a Christian? Yeah, right. You know? So going back to your kind of your first initial question, I would say that the big thing is 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 just... Real salvation comes when a person realizes there's nothing that they can do but believe. He, Jesus Christ either did it all or he hasn't done anything, as Paul says in the end of Galatians 2. He says his, his death was just, a, it was just a gift of nothing, essentially, if, if you can in any way be saved by works, so, yeah, whatever those works might be. And so that's, from their point of view, that's where they have to come. You can't get them there, only as Leslie was saying, only the Holy Spirit gets them to the point where they realize, well, let's go take a look at that. Let's go look at John 16, the three things that the Holy Spirit does. You can't do this. You can work with the Spirit on these things, but the Spirit's the one that actually does it. You might put the best best case for these things together when you're talking to a person about the gospel, but you can't do it. So John 16, John 16 and verse 8. it says in verse 7, but it says, I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, referring to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he's come, he will reprove or prove. It has the idea of like a lawyer laying out a case. He will prove to the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, and concerning judgment. Concerning sin, because they're all a bunch of messy sinners and they've done a whole bunch. Of, no, it says, because they don't believe in me. That's the sin he convicts them of. They realize, they come to realize I haven't believed in him. I might give an historical account about who he is, but I personally have not believed in him. My wife was 16 years old, yet she went up and went through confirmation and everything like that. And I've known lots of people. My grandmother went through through confirmation in the Lutheran church and she was an adult and had children and and went to a, her friend invited her to, to go to a uh evangelistic service at this little country community church in Otranto, Iowa. And they went out there and they heard the gospel from this person. Both her and her friend got saved that night. And uh, because for her, it had been just this objective knowledge out here was this personal faith in Jesus Christ. So he's going to convince them of sin because they don't believe in me. That's the the sin that he convinces them. Then he says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you don't see anymore. Now, what's that mean? Do you, have, do you have the righteousness that can get you before the Father? Are you good enough to go before the Father? That's what we'd say. We don't use the word righteous. When you leave your kids with a babysitter, you say, be righteous. No, we're say, be good, you know. But it's, it's this word righteous. Are any of us good enough to get to the Father? No, but Christ was. So we need that righteousness, which is exactly what Peter and Paul were saying over there when they were given the gospel. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. If he doesn't get off, what what makes you think you're going to get out of this judgment? See, so he convicts of those things. And to me, it's amazing that I can look back when I was five years old and when my mom went over the gospel with me. And I've told you, for those of you that have sat here at our church, you've listened to this probably way too many times. But sitting in church, I remember drawing pictures of my grandpa on his combine and my grandpa on his tractor. That's what I remember And that and being afraid that a kid in Sunday school, his arm was going to fall off because we prayed for him because he had a broken arm. And I was terrified that his arm was going to fall off during (laughs) Sunday school. That's all I remember about church before the night that my mom sat on my bed and told me about Christ dying for my sins, being buried and being raised again. And as a five-year-old, and my mom is not scaring the daylights out of me. She's not threatening me. She's just saying, your father and I believe this, and I remember just very plainly and clearly thinking, I need I need my sins forgiven, because otherwise I can't go to heaven, and I'm going to go to hell. And my mom was not saying, there, Timothy, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe it. She wasn't saying that. I just remember real clearly, I'm going to hell without believing this. It was just... Uncanny. I mean, I heard the gospel. The Spirit did that work in my heart, because I can still. I mean, the vividness that I can still remember this. What happened that night? You know,
2: it's the Holy Spirit convincing people. Because sometime you've heard the story of a man sitting in a Seventh-day Adventist church or a Jehovah's
1: Witness church. Oh, it was Jehovah's Witness. One of the guys that one of the guys that had gone to seminary a few years ahead of me and I, I've actually never met the guy, but I, some of his friends have talked with me. He and a friend were, they were Jehovah's Witnesses, and they were coming together, and while they were waiting for their group to meet, one of the guys said, you're not going to believe this. I went to a house today, and I knocked on the door of this house, and I went to tell to give them our literature, and they said, oh, all you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, he was buried and rose again. Can you believe that? All you got to do is believe that. Apparently, they don't get that from a lot of houses they knock on. Everybody else, it's not... All you got to do is believe. It's always all this other stuff. And this guy's sitting there going, yeah, that is all you'd have to do. It's just like it became real. It just struck him sitting there. A guy mocking the gospel, mocking the gospel. God used that of all crazy things for this guy. And I don't know if the guy got saved at that moment because I I haven't heard all of his testimony. But, yeah. So it is late. I won't. there's judgment. He indicates here in John sixteen eleven, the prince of this, the ruler of this world is judged. Let's just finish with this, and we're not will save it for next week. But we're going to hit the verse, verse nine of 2 Thessalonians one nine. And to these then. To these, to those that don't know God and those who have not obeyed the gospel, they haven't obeyed because they haven't believed the gospel or they refuse to believe the gospel. Maybe they're really good people. Maybe they're trying real hard to be good. All this other stuff. We're not going to, we've already belabored that a lot. Verse nine, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and away from the glory of his strength. I always think hell is going to hurt but the greatest hurt is going to be emotional and mental because for a moment they have stood before the God of the universe. They have seen him in his full glory, in his full strength, and they're going to have to spend all of eternity away from that, never getting treated to that ever again. And on a flip side, by the way, that's going to be one of the things I think that's going to make heaven the best for us is that we're going to be in his presence and get to see that. It's not that, as one of my friends used to say, I'm going to get to go fishing out on Alpha Centauri. He used to joke about that all the time. I'm not going to care about fishy. fishing. It's going to be being in his presence. And it's never going to get old. It's never going to get old.
3: How can, you, how can a soul
2: be away from the presence of God and continue to endure eternal suffering? Like... You hear about hell? It's like gnashing of teeth. It's like miserable, right? Mm-hmm. And like on this earth, it's God keeping us together. It's like Him keeping. Going.
1: So in some way or another, He has He has he to has exercise to something that keeps that together. To and
2: keep them. I mean, I don't know how a Soul is eternal, but like just to keep that body from burning up too. So, so it's gonna I so it. I don't know how, you keep different. going with that oh, yeah. kind of suffering.
1: So I don't know how he does that because I don't know that the Bible Pops tells that. us yeah. exactly. Yeah, all but, I know is that he that's what happens.
4: But do you remember that hell or Hades and the lake of fire are different entities? And hell is poured into the lake of fire. Hades, is Hades, great. Hades, or hell—it's Greek and right, you, you know. Same thing, to so <laughs> Hades is poured
3: into
4: the lake fire. Um, before we close, just in case there's people here that don't realize that we went to a lot of verses to show that obey means, but in the context, it says obey in verse 10 is believing.
1: There we go, and we hadn't got there because we didn't get down there further, but verse 10 when he comes to be glorified by his saints and be marveled at all the ones believing. And then there's a thing he says at the end, but we're going to have to save for next week. <laughs> so. <laughs> it
0: makes
4: you want to come back. And then but if, another verse I like to use is John six, twenty-eight, and 29. What shall we do that we should do the works of God? And Jesus says, believe on me, who God
1: is now. That's right. That's a really good word. Never, it's always good for us to review the gospel. Always good for us to review how a person responds. Because probably most days, or on a somewhat regular basis, God brings somebody across our path that needs to hear that good news. Yeah, just, uh, you
2: know, like you said, you had the factual stuff, but the Holy Spirit's the one that really is going to convince you. You are the sinner. You're not righteous. Right. And you are in a state of judgment right now.
1: Well, and, and just to add this um, from with, with what Peggy's saying, when we were there in Romans, it said, how can they, how do they preach if they're not sent? Yeah, because if we went back in there, how can they believe if they have not heard? In other words, that's the one thing that God doesn't do. God just does not download from the heaven the gospel. That's actually the responsibility he's given to us is to articulate the gospel in the ears of people that need to hear it. He'll I'm save them. Go you, save I'm going
0: to tell you. I'm going to anyway. <laughs> Plug your ears. I, it's interesting to me after the few years I've been a Christian to listen to all the different things that is said and 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 good things, good things. But it's would have been, and it was hard. Um, I started because I was never a Christian. I didn't know what a Christian was. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus was. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, we didn't say prayers. We hoped that. On weekends, dad wouldn't come home too drunk, you know, and and we had to disappear. And um, so I didn't grow up in, and it it, it makes me feel good to hear that other people grew up like that and grew up in families like that. It really makes me feel good because it helps me to know that there aren't bad people all the time. You know what I mean? They're, they're not everybody's bad. And no, yeah, we are, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Christ, and he changes our yeah. life. Yeah. Hey, I'm not bad. You know, <laughs> I'm just me. <mean. laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's hard, and it was hard when I became a Christian because I didn't understand everything. I didn't, and I wanted to understand. I want to know. Um, how can you how can you trust somebody how can you trust God because who is he so it means a, a lot to me that I can go to church or I can sit in a group like this and hear the things and the positive things and the negative because there's always good with bad and um, Thing, but to hear that other people grew up in these places and they were loving and they were they were caring and they uh, were good people. So I appreciate when I hear and 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 hear about all these things, and I appreciate that and uh, and and. and, and me, and it brings me comfort to know that it's okay that I didn't grow up in a Christian home. It's okay that I didn't know God because I know who He is now.
2: Exactly. And
0: that's what it, that's what it all comes down to is that I know who He is now, and I talk to Him all the time, and I I thank Him all the time, and, and um, so you know, And he saved you at just the right time. Mm-hmm. Evidently yeah. because mm-hmm. here I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to know that I can say, I love God. I love my dad. And, um, and I can actually <laughs> without, I know it's hard for some people to talk about God or mention God <laughs> out in <and> bubbly. <laughs> and, but I don't care. You know. Care, hey, I'm a Christian. Okay, you know, it's like, I, don't, I don't, know am what God made me. Finally, I just be glad when He gets it right. <laughs> so, but I, you know, so I, I do appreciate hearing things because it it motivates me, and I want to learn more. I'm going through the Bible for the third time, and every time I read it, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Who was he? Who was he? I do not know who he was, mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that, and I think it's good to, to be able to do that and not be afraid to do it. I don't like being afraid. <laughs> I grew up being afraid. I don't like being afraid, so... Now, that freedom
2: is
1: is,
0: like, is really cool, that freedom
1: that we have to do this. It's really cool. I'm done. <laughs> thank you, Wilma. Not for being done, but thank
2: you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No,
1: no it's, it's, to me, it's one of the fun things to go around and let other people share how God, we all come to the same faith. We all come to the same faith and the same God for what he did. It's just good to hear how God brought different people at different times. My mom got saved, I think, when she was a teenager. My wife got saved. My dad didn't get saved until he was in college. My grandmother was a, I told you about her. And then listen to all those stories. uh, Gordon and Susan Lowell, when they come here, and Gordon just mentioned it Sunday afternoon. They actually were, they were actually studying transcendental meditation down at WSU, trying to figure out something, because they figured there had to be something more to life. And they ended up going to that, what was the church called?
4: Bethany Bible Church.
1: Bethany Bible Church over there. they walked in and thought, what are these people doing with their Bibles and notebooks? This we, this must be a college class or something. And then, but they said it was for the first time that actually ever heard anybody actually open the Bible and just really teach the Bible. And they were like, wow, this was crazy. And they, they for a while, they didn't know if they'd go back. They went back and they went back and they heard the gospel uh, for the first time. I remember
4: that. Yeah. And... As I recall, Susan was selling like uh, women's underwear or something, and she thought it'd be a good place to get some clients.
1: I'll edit that. I'll edit that out of the audio on this.
2: I'm sure. Um, we well were talking about how how can they hear if somebody's not sent, and we have that story of that woman in Africa.
1: Oh, yeah, and I told you that story, too, that there was a lady, and this is probably, I think, back in the 50s. Yeah, and they can look
2: at creation and know yeah. something designed this, but they still have to hear.
1: And she was a single God woman. She felt He's God called sin. her to this mission in Africa. She went over there, and she kept telling the men on the mission station I think God wants me to go to this village over here like 10 or 15 miles away. And I'm like, no, no, you can't go out there without a man. Can't go out there without a man. Can't go out there with a man. She just kept saying this. And finally they said, fine, go. They supplied her. They said, but you're on your own. We can't take away. So they let her go over to that village. Her first day in that village, she meets, there's this older lady that comes up to her and she says, I have been praying to the God that created all of this. My people worship all these gods, but I know there's a God that made everything. I don't know who he is. And I've been asking him, send somebody to tell me who you are. And right off the bat, her first day, first day in the village. And she got to share the gospel with somebody that had been God praying and asking for God to tell her who he is. So, and I, I'm i sure other people have similar stories. So, anyway. Boy, that one's. Okay.
4: While we were sitting here, I got a text and uh, Blaine Brown passed away today.